Thank you for listening to this episode of the Millennium Live podcast. I am here today with a partner who helps enterprises empower all employees to reach their full potential. We have Rethink Care, which is the leading global behavioral and mental health platform supporting neurodiversity in the workplace and at home. I have a great guest with us. We have Angela Nelson. She is the executive director of clinical services at Rethink Care. She oversees consultation services and content generation who started working at Rethink in 2011. And she specializes in working with parents raising children and teens with learning social behavioral challenges, as well as organizations who are motivated to support employees with intellectual and development disabilities. Angela, it's great to have you on Millennium Live. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us today. Thanks, Connor. I'm happy to be here. Great. Let's jump right in. I want to I want to start with a term that we described in the introduction there is neurodiversity. It's kind of this uh, term now used to describe where the differences in way people's brains work, but it's even somebody like me, I'm, I'm kind of new to it. So, you're the expert. What's the uh what's the term neurodiversity mean? Yeah, it's a good question. So, it's you know, neurodiversity obviously has been around forever, but the term is relatively new. It it was coined back in the 90s by sociologist Judy Singer, and it's kind of evolved over the decades, but really at its core, like you said, Connor, it's kind of talking about how all brains work differently, right? It's we act, we behave, we socialize and communicate. It just looks different for everyone and it should be accepted and respected. I will say that people still use that word to describe disabilities like autism, but really the the word it, it means that it's kind of encompassing all variations in the in the human brain. And I'll I'll just say kind of as a side note, if we want to distinguish between maybe somebody that has a disability or someone that doesn't, the field is kind of moving towards embracing this word neurodivergent versus neurotypical. And if you think about it, it's more grammatically correct anyways, right? Like a, a group is diverse, not a person. A person is not diverse, right? So right. Um, yeah, so neurodiversity is kind of overall describing a group of everybody and how everybody works differently and, and thinks and behaves differently. Well, that's awesome. And so I kind of want to dive into how that applies to employers and bringing on neurodivergent talent. So it's kind of two parts here of why it's important to uh, for organizations to hire neurodivergent talent and how can leaders in space in, in enterprises today facilitate a more neuroinclusive workplace culture? This is a biggie. This is a, this is a, a big, big question. A couple things. Modeling inclusivity yourself as a leader is going to be huge. Actions speak louder than words, right? So if you have a plan for your organization to be more inclusive, you want to think about culture change, behavior change, right? So setting a goal, tracking it, sticking with it, figuring out what are the barriers and even publishing the results. That's how we're going to hold ourselves more accountable to, to behavior change. I'll also share too, you know, it, it is kind of a culture and climate shift within the organization as well, not just the, the people in it, but kind of holistically. So it's not just the values and the attitudes, but it's also some of those more overt things, right? Like our policies and practices. So a couple I'll give you a couple of examples. So people can give an agenda before a meeting. So the employees can be prepared for what they're going to talk about. If you're, let's say, rolling out a big project or initiative and you're giving instructions verbally on a meeting, it's always good practice to follow up with written bullets 
very clear expectations and deadlines. You could take a strength-based approach, right? So maybe somebody is taking the notes, somebody focuses just on the technicals, and maybe somebody has great executive functioning skills, right? So they're the project manager. Keep everybody, you know, on track. A couple other things too that I'm I'm thinking about making sure that your software is, in, is accessible, right? In the very least, you need closed captioning. If, if you're using software that doesn't have closed captioning, you got to get with the, the modern times. <laughs> and then, I don't know, a couple more things, I guess. There's this concept of psychological safety. This is yeah. a, a really important topic in the literature. That means kind of feeling safe to be yourself, feeling like you're able to share ideas without retaliation or ridicule, you know, the last couple of things I'll say, and there's, it's just the sky's the limit, but these are just a couple of things I'm thinking of being approachable and open to accommodations, or maybe even just adjusting the way that you're leading a team or managing a team, right? So if you're kind of showing safety, when someone discloses a disability, let's say making sure that colleagues don't hold accommodations against them, right? Sometimes people think accommodations might be giving someone an unfair advantage, but really it's helping to level the playing field. And then I guess the last thing I'll say too is we really want to listen to neurodivergent individuals, right? We want to create a task force. We want to create employee resource groups so they have a voice. If we're going to be making change, culture change, and really wanting to facilitate that neuroinclusive work environment, we have to be working alongside the individuals with that lived experience and, and hearing hearing from them themselves. Yeah, well said, Angela. Thank you. Hopefully that brings some enlightenment to members of our audience who are just at the beginning stages of tackling something like this at their at their business. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about about the pros and cons of disability disclosure in the workplace? I know there's probably a lot to talk about in in terms of ways that an employee should or could disclose. What are your thoughts and 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 what have you seen in terms of both pros and cons? Yeah. I identify as a neurotypical person. I don't have that lived experience of making that disclosure, but from what I know in the literature and also just talking with so many people, this is a really personal decision. I was just on a consultation this morning with a woman who was kind of weighing these options herself actually for work, but generally the pros are the fact that if you make a disclosure, you do have the option to take advantage of accommodations, right? Getting what you need. Your employer's not always going to know what you need and it might be harder to support you. So if you can make a disclosure, you can formally request accommodations that can really help you be more productive and get what you need so that you can excel at your job. It also just opens up more doors to for eligibility for other types of services, right? Maybe you can benefit from a job coach, things like that. One of the bigger things too, this is more big picture, but This disclosure oftentimes will allow people to be more of their authentic self at work, not feel like they have to mask, right? That's this term, kind of a verb meaning kind of covering up different parts of your identity so you can appear more like societal norms, right? And I talk with, and I work every day with adults, autistic adults, and they say it's, it's, it's exhausting to mask and to hide and feel like I have to act a certain way. So to be able to disclose is kind of liberating for for folks and they feel like they can be more of their authentic self. So those are just a couple of the pros in terms of cons, as you could probably imagine, Connor, there are risks involved. There are risks of discrimination due to myths and misinformation and bias. There's also just risks of different types of treatment. So I've read a couple articles recently talking about you know, treating employees differently. There's this concept of infantilization, right? So treating them like little kids or 
not giving them as challenging of work as they would be able to, to handle or passing them up for promotions, right? So just this difference of treatment, that is a risk. My dissertation actually was on college educated autistic adults in the workplace and kind of the gaps to support them right now. And what I've seen is overall, the workplace is moving in the right direction. We're definitely making great strides, but even when people have the best of intentions and seem open and inclusive, there's still misinformation. There's still implicit bias out there. So while there are a lot of pros to disclosure, I will say there there are still cons that exist. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest. And you know, misinformation and that type of stuff is not going to go away. But it's interesting yeah. what you bring up with the mask, because when I was looking at these, the question, and, and I was thinking about how you cannot be your authentic self if you're not there, or perhaps I don't want to say retaliation, but more of more or less that you're some may be afraid of what the company mm-hmm. could do or, or how that you're going to be treated differently, you know, based on this yeah. disclosure, which is which is some, but I feel like the pros can outweigh the cons in here, especially if you're at a good environment and and you're at a yeah. you're at a good company who takes care of their employees. So, right. kind of segueing into that, you know, what are some of the ways employers are addressing the underrepresentation of neurodivergent employees, and and maybe in addition to that, working with neurodivergent employees to make sure they're taken care mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Underemployment and unemployment are definitely real issues, right? So that that kind of goes under that umbrella of underrepresentation across disability categories, particularly among autistic uh, individuals. So Connor, you mentioned it a little uh, just a second ago too, right? If you're at a company that is really taking care of, of its employees, and we're seeing this more and more, which is really encouraging to me, uh, working in this space, you're going to be naturally more supported. You're going to have more opportunities. We're not there across the board, but we're definitely making gains. Some companies are implementing and rolling out specialized hiring programs. There are, I will say there are pros and cons to those. They're not very widespread. They can only take so many people, right? So they can make some really good progress, but it's it's not super per- pervasive right now. But special hiring programs are are there and they are seeing some success. I think what I'm seeing more broadly is that companies, oftentimes the larger companies or the more forward-thinking companies, because they just have more resources, but they're doing more within the, within the DEI space, diversity, equity, inclusion. We also sometimes put an A on the end there for accessibility. They're elevating neurodiversity, right? They're creating campaigns. Um, they're creating employee resource groups, ERGs. They're hosting different events, maybe bringing in community organizations into uh, the company as well. So I'm really, really encouraged to see the DEI department's embracing and kind of elevating neurodiversity as, as part of their kind of overall objectives and, and vision. And then, you know, a, a lot of companies are starting to bring in companies like mine and Rethink Care to not only provide support for neurodivergent individuals, for things like executive functioning. We, we work a lot with folks who are struggling with attention and focus and time management and, you know, prioritization of tasks so they can be more productive and also training managers to being more inclusive, but also parent training and parent education. That's a, that's a whole other part of, of many companies, right? They are employing uh, parents of neurodivergent children as well. So, um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff that's happening in the workplace to help address this underrepresentation issue. Yes. And I definitely want to get into rethink care because I think it's some of the work that 
you guys are doing over there are just is incredible. Angela, you did mention a point that I do want to bring up is our parents of neurodivergent children and knowing that they exist and knowing that organizations already have parents of neurodivergent children. What are some of the ways that these individuals are affected on a day-to-day basis? And, you know, some of the potential implications of, I would assume, not supporting these parents for your organization, what that would imply and what that would mean not getting the assistance that they need. This is kind of where I started my career. I started doing in-home therapy with kids and something that I didn't realize that it would be interacting, you know, so much with are the parents, the, the families. Right. And so this was, this has always been something that's been of big interest to me. You might think that organizations know that they're employing parents of neurodivergent children, but sometimes they don't realize it. And sometimes parents are um, not disclosing those things. We talked about disclosure a little while ago, right? So some employers don't know. Um, They also are oftentimes unaware of all the extra logistics that go into having a child with a disability or with various support needs, a ton of therapy appointments, different meetings at school. We call it an, an IEP, an individualized education program, right? So that lists out their goals and the strategies that the education team will go through to support the child, just extra meetings with teachers, right? Maybe there's a behavioral issue or something. And and these meetings don't take place at 8 p.m. at night when you're done with work. They're like 11 a.m. in the morning, right? So you're, this is in your workday, just various doctor's appointments and so on. So there's just a lot of additional logistics. I would really invite leaders and managers, organizations to kind of understand and, and be aware. Other things too, to, to think about, extra stress, right? So they are oftentimes navigating these extra stressors in silence, especially if they don't feel like they're going to be supported at work, or maybe they're not going to be promoted because a leader thinks that they may already have too much going on at home, right? That could negatively impact their career trajectory. So there's actually some research out of the University of uh, Wisconsin, which is really interesting. So we know that parents of autistic individuals, autistic kids, especially with behavior challenges, are the most stressed population of parents across the board. And what the University of Wisconsin team found is that the cortisol levels of mothers of autistic children are kind of on par with soldiers who are in war. Wow. And if you think about that, it's they're in the state of hyper arousal, right? They're, they're always on alert. If you have a child that's eloping in the middle of the night or engaging in self-injurious behavior, that is incredibly taxing on, on a family, on a parent. You know, these are things that a leader at the, at the workplace may not know that you're going through. So naturally, if you're not supporting them, you know, what we tend to see in the literature is that a lot of folks, they're not raising hands for a promotion. They might need to go down to part-time work, maybe even leave the workforce altogether. And that's that's not only affecting their family and their career trajectory and them financially, but if you think about it, that's going to hurt business too, right? Because you're losing really great seasoned talent. So it, it's definitely something that I would encourage organizations to, to think about. Absolutely. That's incredible that those statistics uh, out of the University of Wisconsin. And and not only that, I mean, it's obvious that whatever happens at home, no matter what the scenario is, is going to affect what happens in the workplace. And mm-hmm. that's that stress cannot be good for the for the business, for the person who's been the employee, it's going to translate into the business. So just making sure that you're taking care of your employees no matter what the scenario, because each scenario is different. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to bring in 
a little bit of rethink, I'm sure, because there's a lot of pain points in there that you brought up that I'm sure there are some solutions out there specifically at Rethink Care. How can organizations start supporting working parents of children with learning and, and developmental challenges from the start? One of the silver linings, I guess, of the pandemic was that organizations did have a little bit more of a an eye into what's going on into the homes, right? And mm. I think that parents were the population that got a little bit more attention, right? So there were things that their maybe colleagues or bosses or organizations didn't realize. And now for the first time they were. One of the things that I think came out of the pandemic is flexibility, right? And when we poll parents who are raising neurodivergent children, that is always one of the first things that pops up is opportunities to maybe be productive at non-conventional work times, right? So if they have to, let's say they're, they're, you know, gosh, let's say their, their child gets into something at, let's say they get suspended from school and they have to leave at 9am, they're getting ready to go to a meeting or they're getting ready. They have this great focus time for two hours. They're going to go heads down into this focus time and they've got to go over to the school, pick up their child, right? Can they still excel at their job by you know, being given opportunities to work on it in the evening, right? So I I always applaud managers who say, look, you know, I don't really care when the work gets done, as long as you're hitting deadlines, that's great. It doesn't have to be nine to five. So that flexibility, I think is going to be key. Another thing too, simple things like recording meetings, right? I just talked to someone the other day, they were waiting for a neurologist appointment for their their son's evaluation for nine months. And of course, mm-hmm. it's during the workday, you know, they can't cancel that, that very important doctor's appointment. So and they couldn't make a meeting. And so their manager said, No problem, I'll record it for you, you can watch it later. That way, you don't miss anything. And you're you're right up to speed with your colleagues. So those were pretty simple things. The other thing too, that I think is really neat. I also was talking to somebody, I think it was last week, they had shared that they were going through a difficult time at their child's school. And their managers just said, you know, I know you were sharing with me that things were were difficult with, with your child. How'd that meeting go? You know, how are things going? And that was really meaningful to that, that person, you know, just to know that they're not navigating it alone, that their employer cares about them, not just the work they're doing, but as a person. So yeah, I mean, and then I don't know, other things too. I talked about employee resource groups. So ERGs, those are great spaces to share ideas and resources, kind of create a sense of community so parents uh, feel like they're not alone. It also just kind of demonstrates that the company is creating a space for you, right? And then, I don't know, of course, lastly, encourage family-friendly benefits like Rethink as well. I think some of these benefits are just so awesome that they take in they take care of not only employees, but they take care of and support working parents and caregivers of these developmentally challenged children. I think it's just incredible. I want to know more. And I'm sure our audience does too, specifically in this, the benefits and HR space. How does Rethink support neurodiversity at home and at work? I know you mentioned a few things about some of the benefits that came out of this, of the kind of more of the flexible office space now. Mm-hmm. I hope I hope that stays. I do. What are some more specific solutions that Rethink Care provides? Yeah. So we started many years ago with this model of a combination of digital content, right? So you can watch videos, audio sessions, uh, attend webinars, read articles, our podcast that we have, and empower yourself with information, not just education, but also training, right? There's a lot of literature that supports that parent training and actually teaching parents 
is going to be more superior to education alone, right? So, so we show parents how to work on skills, right? And these are not just videos to support neurodivergent children. This is across the board. We do have a specialty. All of us are, you know, specialists and in neurodiversity, but these are just good best practice teaching strategies, right? Like how do we potty train our child? How do we um, help teach, you know, language skills and teach self-advocacy skills? And how do we teach our child to get their needs met in more productive ways than having a tantrum? Or how do we learn how to share and take turns? Those sort of things. So we have the digital content and then we also have our one-on-one consultations. And so that that's really been a big hit with parents so they can actually get into these confidential phone calls and kind of talk about what's going on at home, troubleshoot together and kind of co-create strategies with them. And then more recently, we replicated that model because it had been working really well and we rolled out our neurodiversity at work program. And so similarly, we have all of our digital content. We have content based on neurodivergent individuals themselves, um, but also content for allies, the whole company, leadership, and kind of tailored content to, to support their, you know, learning and development. And then of course the, the consultations too. So I, I touched on that earlier. I will see a combination of managers who want to learn how to be more inclusive and, you know, troubleshooting, gosh, you know, how can I tweak my style a little bit so that I can better support this individual. And then a big bulk of who you see are individuals themselves who are coming of their own volition, wanting to get support on things like executive functioning, right? Like I'm getting distracted at work or I feel really disorganized. Can you help me come up with some systems to help me be more productive? So yeah, it's, I I love this work. It's really, really fun. It's important work. And we're really just trying to kind of elevate the awareness and acceptance of of neurodiversity within organizations. It's so important and the work you do matters. And it's so awesome to be able to talk to you, Angela, and just learn a little bit more about some of the solutions that are out there for neurodiversity. And speaking of, I know you mentioned some of the content that um, you're pushing out for Rethink Care, but I did want to give a nice shout out to the podcast that you have with your colleague, Kristen, called Behaviorally Speaking. It's available, I, I believe it's monthly, right? Yeah, it's monthly. It's it's on our website, RethinkCare.com and our resources. Um, and it's just anywhere you can get your podcast as well. That's so awesome. It's a great parenting podcast. And Angela and Kristen dive into some great scenarios for most parents that face and and and, and provide some tangible, lighthearted tips and techniques that you can use in your own home. So check out that podcast after you've listened to this one. So Angela, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me today, to just learn so much just hearing from you. I hope we could maybe do a part two next year. Um, yeah. It's just a just a, a, a learning more about how you know rethink is just a great partner, but how you guys are just incredible for employers and employees alike. And thank you to our audience for listening to this episode of Millennium Live. And we do have a, a wide range of assemblies, specifically benefits leadership. 2024. So you can check out our full lineup at mill-all.com slash assemblies. Again, I want to thank our partner, Rethink Care and Angela Nelson for joining the podcast. We'll see you soon.